episode Loaded nine. Oh. Does he sit second, man? No, I don't I think he does. I think Kevin Keegan probably sits second. Oh, my God, what a <laughs> scandal. Austin Eckler versus the cards. Go and fuck yeah. the lot of you. <laughs> Austin Eckler. He's making me like I'm some sort of cameo. Like, I'm coming in and go, and out the bag, England to win. Hello and welcome to episode 49 of Loaded Sport. It's been a big week in the sporting world and we are here yet again to go through what's been happening and what is going to happen over the next week. We've got plenty to go through. Unfortunately, we will not be going through the Formula One action this weekend with a postponement of the race in Imola. With the flooding, um, they've they've taken a precaution to keep everyone as safe as possible and to make sure oh, that no. all, I know, mate. I know you've got it to not have to talk about it, but uh, all possible resources to help with the people of Imola. That's the, that's the priority. So no Formula One tonight, but we have got plenty to talk about. We've got we've got the National League playoff final review. We've got Champions League review. We've got to talk what could potentially happen across the playoffs and the Premier League this upcoming weekend. We've got plenty to talk about this week in Kempi's Combat Corner, as well as Golf's PGA Championship getting underway this weekend. But first, as always, we will be starting with the listener lock-in after the break we took last week. And joining us this week, we have Delhi. Delhi, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, so not only have we got Delhi, we've got the usual lads here to go through the limited selections, as well as all the last week's and the net well, the upcoming week's action. Sam, how are you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. You were close, weren't you? You were close oh, to skipping it. Oh, it. fuck it. No, it's all right. I, I was, but I thought <laughs> I'm going to speed it out. You were smooth it, it you did. How are you doing, mate? mate? You okay? Yeah, yeah, good tonight, mate. Good tonight. Uh, just ready for the week. A bit tired, I must admit. First day yeah, back well, in office for a while, so a bit tired. Not used to getting up that early, but we move. And the uh, first full, well, first full week for a couple of weeks of uh, mm, a full five-day yeah. week. So, uh, yeah, but yeah. it's all good. We'll, we'll get to it. I mean, work shy. <laughs> yeah, work shy. That's it. Never cock shy, you. Um, also with us, the man that I'm sure will be as miserable as ever, if not the most he's ever been when we get talking about Chesterfield later on in the episode. But Aggie, how are you doing, mate? I'm all right, mate. Thank you. How are you? Fucking hell, yeah, I'm all right, mate. I, th- I think I'm better than you based on that. Fucking hell, Ag. come on, man. Sort that. <laughs> it's been the, the longest away. week of my life. So. Oh, we'll talk to Eeyore then. <laughs> all right, thank you. That's that than any other week. Yeah. Early weekend. That's a fair point. And last but not least, I've saved him till last just because I think he wants to tell us a little, about, a little bit about the shirt he's wearing. Not really. Uh, not really, to be honest. I just wanted well, you to see it. You were eager to show it off. Discussion. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just wanted you to see it. No, I'm, you were eager Mr. to show Dor- it off, mate. First of all, first of all, Mr. Dawson, Mr. White Man with the mic. How are we doing? There we go. Got that in there. there got go. that in there. Didn't fuck it up this week. And, I did, yeah, not, not particularly. Just wanted you to see it, Dawson, because I've just been to Meadowall. I've done some uh, some holiday shopping because my holiday is just but go holiday. For go holiday, yeah. I've already got yeah. all my go stuff, but I've got some some shirts and stuff for for, for going out on on the town at night. So yeah, looking yeah. forward to that. But I, I snuck by the Sheffield United store. I saw they got fifteen percent off this lovely number. So I thought I'd, I'd go us, for it. Do a little, do a little stand up. Oh, let's see stand up there. Give us a little classic, classic Arnold Labour. Used to be sponsor back in the day. Got little laces on front. Oh, I don't laces, think that's a bit around that. It's got lover on front. It's a bit different to your Stone Island. I thought you were a bit of a fighter. No, I'm a lover, mate. I've seen it now. That's it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah so, so so that's where we are. So so we're having a good day. We're having a good time. It's nearly the weekend and I'm sat with you boys in Delhi. So 
everything's well, mate. Everything is well indeed, and we'll get onto weekend plans towards the end of the episode. But Delhi, we are here for you. We are here to do the listener locking. We are here to discuss your picks and selections for this upcoming weekend. But first, we've we've got to do it. We can see the shirt just about that you're wearing. So, first question that we ask every single one of our guests: Who do you support and why? Well, I do support Arsenal. However, I was brought up as a town fan, Chesterfield fan, and then I moved to the Isle of Wight when I was about 10 and no one had heard of Chesterfield like no one even knew where Chesterfield was never mind it was a football club so that wasn't ideal at school so I needed a new team basically and although it's a bit embarrassing I kind of looked at the table at the time and the fact that Arsenal had the word arson appealed to me (laughs) I know I I found it funny at that age and that was it picked them and then never looked back so yeah, not didn't grow up in London, nothing like that. It is literally that, that amused me at that age. So that's the reason you changed your choice of title contenders halfway through the season, Dawson, because you're just attracted to ours. That's <laughs> not it, mate. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> that is pretty much it. But uh, I, you knew this were coming. You, you, we. I asked you many, many times when we were putting together our guest list for the listener lock-ins. I asked you if you wanted to come on, and you were like, "Oh, I'm not sure." And then you got very confident that, look, put me on towards the end of the season because at that point it should be signed, sealed and delivered. And unfortunately, it's uh, it has uh, it has come back to bite you a little bit. So talk us about the season, the, the highs no. coming out of the World Cup, going into the new year. It was looking good. What's happened? So I'll start from the positive. In January, there was some fact floating around that no team, probably even saying this, in Premier League history had ever been on I think it was 43 or something like that point and not won the league. Yeah. So at that point, I'm looking at hotels for London to book, to go to the parade, thinking, can I get Asking it Asking me if she could have time off for the... Is it going to be on a Tuesday? Is it going to be their bank holiday, like buzzing, telling my son? And he was like, oh, I'm going to go to London. So I was there in January, like 100%. And then it kind of all went wrong. The Liverpool game, to be fair, I think that was a 2-2 draw. And then after that, West Ham, again, a draw, um, another draw in there, I think. We Southampton did. at home. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sam made notes, if, you, if you've not realised. Mate, mate, I've been weird, Ellie. I've been weird. Temple, Temple um, attest. He's obviously, been, yeah. the, the City lost. Cheeky win at Newcastle. Cheeky win at Chelsea. And then last weekend, Brighton just... I don't want to swear, but yeah, that way it, it were done. I think swear all was, you like. We're, we're, you, you've got full we uh, it's not radio, yeah. <laughs> there, there was always that kind of like glimmer of hope, obviously. But when we lost three 0 that I had no idea what was going on. There. I was I was embarrassed. I, to be fair, I didn't even watch after the second goal. I was that Arsenal fan that's like I've done now, and I hate those sort of fans that leave halfway through the game. And so I don't want to be like that, but I was because we were two 0 down. I was like, this is ridiculous, and we just we threw it away. Um. Is it over? Yes. Come on. No, oh, well done. Okay. Well done. You, you, <laughs> told, you, told me, you told me something different earlier, so I'm glad you said that. But I have, you know, it is. And I've come to terms with the fact that, that it's, it is over. You know, that money for the hotels will be spent on something else now. But, yeah. <laughs> but I do want to say, like, I know everyone's, oh, they bottled it, they bottled it. I don't like that word being thrown away. I think just pressure I think they're a really young team I think Ramsdale's been absolutely fucking incredible I'll be honest I think without him it'd be a different story but I just think it's the team it's the age it's the pressure you know this time last season we were like we finished fifth we just missed on both spot with Tottenham 
year before that, ninth, tenth, possibly, I don't even remember, like, ridiculous. So to be where we are, I think, is an achievement. And I think, unfortunately, everyone forgets that and they just focus on the fact that Arsenal bottled, bottled it, which technically they did. But for me as a supporter, I want to, like, focus on the fact that we have had probably one of the best seasons in, in a long time. And we'll just do it next year. Fine. One of them, isn't it? If, if you'd have, uh, if they'd have told you beginning of the season, you fancy taking second place, you know, improving, getting the Champions League, and you'd have snapped someone's hand off. Yeah. But yeah. It, not, the fact that you was eight point clear, I think it's, it's just a bit of a. Yeah. It was in I your know. hands. It was, it was there. It's a bit of a bit of pill to fall. And do you know, the stupid thing is, last season I put fifty quid on Sky Bet for Arsenal to win bloody league. Last year, this year I would have had a bit of a cheeky cash out, but I didn't. I didn't do it. So, yeah, there you go. You'd have been laughing a couple of weeks ago. I know. And one of the discussions, so Sam and Adam have been Arsenal pretty much all season. Me and Kemp at the start of the season were City. And then when uh, when Arsenal won against United with that late 3-2 win, I, I moved over to Arsenal. And for me, the thing that was holding me back from picking Arsenal was that, have they got that that sort of moment where they're struggling and they can turn it around like champions do? And that, and that for me was that moment. You were at the Bournemouth game where 2-0 down, and and scored in the ninety what ninety seventh minute to win three yeah. two so little moments like that it made it seem like things were different and they could do the things that champions need to do to win a league and win a title. What do you think ultimately is the one thing? It is you mentioned age and lack of experience. Is that the the biggest thing that stopped you seeing it through, or do you think there's something else that maybe City had over you that has obviously led to them pretty comfortably or looking like they're pretty comfortably going to win the league? I do you know what for a bit I was like oh. If Haaland weren't there, City wouldn't be where they are. But then, how well have City been without him? Do, do you know what I mean? So, so to be, in the beginning, I was like, oh, if they didn't have Haaland, they didn't have Haaland. But then thinking about it, he's already been there this season and they were good before. But yeah, I do. I just, I just put it down to the maturity and the fact that they... And it's just, I think it's just the pressure. The games that they went into that they should have won, I don't know if they just went in too confident. I think we've got this, we're going to do it. I don't know. But but they didn't. But then, it's strange. They're just inconsistent. Like, I've... they played incredible against some teams and then there's other teams you know where they've just been shit I'll be like who is this team do you know what I mean silly little mistakes stuff like that I can't even blame injuries really because we've not really had many injuries obviously Jesus was out after the World Cup but I mean he's not been anything fantastic I don't think personally but there's not really any sort of you know Liverpool can be like oh we've had injuries and all these teams moaning and saying other stuff but I can't really put it down to anything. Other than I think I think you're probably right. What you said earlier, I think age has had a lot to do with it. It's a yeah. very young team, and a season like this, you'll only improve from it if you can keep that core squad together. You know, players like Saka. I mean, is is what is he like? What 20, 21. 21. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. gone through obviously played in a an England final. Is you know he's now been part of a Premier League title race. So he's starting to play in these bigger games. But you think this this sort of experience for a young lad, it's only going to help them sort of players. So yeah. I think I think next year, I mean. I'm kind of up fence whether this this was this your one chance or will you come back next season and will you be stronger next season for it? Just before you do answer, that kind of brings me to the question that I wanted to ask you. So as an Arsenal fan, you mentioned there that you think you'll come back again next season. You you alluded to it there earlier that you might have a chance of giving it another good go. But then you also mentioned that it is a young squad, you know, a lot of inexperience, maybe in those key moments that, that cost you it along the way, which I, I thought from the start and, and throughout that it would. Um, but what do you think you need to do next season, if anything, to get you that one step further to winning the title after what will be, you know, 20 years next season? I don't think 
the manager is the problem. I'm all for Arteta. I'm a big fan. I don't. I don't think he is. Sometimes I do question him when he doesn't sub or he subs or he subs to one people. I'm like, what are you doing? I mean, I'm not a football manager. So I can't say anything. But I'm not thinking he's to blame for anything. I, I don't, to be honest. Um, I don't know. Like, like even with me saying experience, even next season, they're still not have gained too much experience. Obviously, they'll gain the experience of the Champions League that they'll be in the next season. I think maybe a couple more players. I've heard we're meant to be getting Neymar. I mean, if that happens, that'd be brilliant um, from a personal point of view. But it's probably not. Do you need true. that though. Do you need that? Because he's a bit know, of a, a by the sounds old. of it, he's a bit of a fucker in the uh, yeah. in the dressing room. And it sounds like you've got a very settled squad. Do you think maybe a couple of experienced players that have been there before? You look at Zinchenko in these big moments for you this season, and he's been in these title races before. He's had this experience. Do you think? One or two players of that ilk who've been there, done it, and and they could potentially help you. I know Mane is potentially leaving Bayern Munich. Is that one that you might be interested in? Again, I think it's like, don't really want anyone. You want the experience, but then you don't want someone that's too old that can't play for 90 minutes on the pitch. You know what I mean? Because, yeah, they've got the experience, but can they prolong the whole of the game? Do you know what I mean? So... I don't know. We'll see. Like, I think Declan Rice potentially is meant to be. But again, are we looking at experience a little bit? I think Haaland just needs to jump ship. We'll be all right. So. <laughs> I don't think that'll be too long away. Apparently, he linked with um, Jao Cancelo as well. So, obviously, right. he's been Ooh. turfed out at City to buy an on loan. Um, yeah. And apparently, he wants to come back to Prem and you're a lot of front runners for him. So, I think that'll be a, be a shrewd signing if you can pull that one off. Yeah. Well, look. Uh, that very nicely, lads, and I appreciate it. it. Links me nicely to my final question too, Delhi. Before we get stuck into the locks and everything else, but spoke about age. You spoke about experience there and what's needed. If you if you had to pick three positions that you think will set you up for another league run next year and and, and you know pretty steady Champions League campaign, what are those? What three positions do you think the priority is? Um. As in what three things do we need to do to get to win the just, league? Just three players, uh, three positions. So it's not necessarily specific players, but what three positions on the pitch do you think they need to focus on for summer signings? I think definitely striker, because I think, yeah, definitely striker. And I'd probably say, probably, I don't know, I feel like the defence, um, just defence and probably someone in the middle. Like, I don't know, I, I different fans have different, who they think is really good. Like, I'm a big fan of Partey. I think Holden's awful, but then some people think it's good. But I think probably just one at midfield, definitely one more up front, and probably just defence. Goalkeeper's fine. He doesn't need to go anyways. It I, think Holden, no I think Holden's shocking myself. Yeah. I don't, don't rate yeah. him at all. No, I don't. I just, I don't know. I don't know what it is about him. I just don't like it. He needs no, to go yeah. away. So. Bit of a liability, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Saka, for example, He's been really good. He was getting sent off bloody left, right and centre last season. Do you know what I mean? He's really calmed down a lot, to be fair, and holds his tongue and stuff like that. He's he's changed and grown up almost. Like Just from a behaviour point of view, he has definitely become a lot better. So, yeah, just say that. Big uh, big summer incoming. But uh, let's get stuck into uh, the locks and the selections for the weekend. I've sent you over the info, so we'll start, as always, with the lock. The, the guest gets to pick first and gets the, the first pick of all the selections that are out there. Not that there are many this week, but who's your lock? Who's the one team that you are most confident will get a win this weekend? Brighton. Solid pick. I'm going to win. to Southampton, yeah? Yes. Against already relegated uh, Southampton. I don't think too much needs to be said about that, does it? But uh, no. I've spun the wheel for the rest of us and for once... 
just in a lifetime, I suppose. I've actually come up first, lads. So I'll uh, I'll take my first pick, and that's Newcastle to beat uh, Leicester on Monday. Thank you. Yeah, I was Sorry, thinking Sam. that myself. Yeah. Um, up next, Kemp. Ooh, you can't have Brighton. Sure. You can't have Newcastle. Are you that's going all for? Right. Don't want either of them. Uh, I'm going to go with Manchester City to win the title on Sunday afternoon at four o'clock. Um, Frank Lampard's Chelsea have been pitiful, as I expected, um, and, uh, and and Manchester City will get comfortably the job done. And unfortunately, Delhi will uh, will lift the Premier League title on Sunday afternoon. So uh, Manchester City for me. That's fair, mate. They were my backup just in case uh, Newcastle had gone. So I'm with you there. Uh, next up is Sam. Ah, um, Aggie's uh, Agis fuming. Yeah, I'm just scrambling then. Open to go last, to be honest. But I'll. Uh, I'll style it out and, oh God, what am I going here? I am going to go for Delhi's Arsenal to win at Forest and I think that's a bit of a gamble because I know Forest aren't bad at home. Um, so Big I'm gamble. Gonna, yeah, I'm going to take Arsenal as a lot. Adam's probably going to be absolutely fuming that I've, I've locked an away team there, but it's... Um, you do you, mate. Yeah. I got told off for giving you grief for that, so... It's just one league to pick from this this time. So you got your playoffs as well, don't forget if you fancy yeah, someone to do job in that in a minute. Well, uh, let's see if Aggie's gonna go to that well or is he gonna find someone else in the Premier League with the last pick for the locks? Uh, seeing as all my other Premier League options have gone, I am gonna go with Liverpool to beat Aston Villa at home. It's not a bad pick. I don't think Liverpool have found a bit of form of late, haven't they? Yeah, Brighton was my first choice, Newcastle my second, so they went quite quickly. So, yeah, Liverpool yeah. is my third choice, which I'm going to go for. Why not? Fair enough. Fair enough, indeed. So, Delhi, back to you. You get the first pick of the scorers. Who's your one player that you're most confident will get a goal between Friday and Monday? Haaland. Yeah, the guy with the left <laughs> Yeah. She came up to us earlier and she said, um, is it allowed to have your, your scorer the same as your lock? I was like, oh, I wonder who you're picking then. <laughs> He don't play for Brighton. Oh, God, you've not gone City, have you? Of course you haven't. Yeah, it's because she said the, the Chelsea game was, yeah, yeah. ignore me. Shut up, shut up. <laughs> yeah. Ignore me. Haaland, no, uh, no explanation needed. Um, Aggie, you were last for the locks, mate, so you get to go first for the scorers. Who are you taking? I am taking the most informed striker in the Premier League at the moment with nine goals in eight games, and that is Callum Wilson. Motherfucker, I've prepped two and he was one of them, so I'm, I'm thought you were going to go five and Tony then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm completely with you there. He's in phenomenal form. I've got Newcastle as my lot, like I said, Wilson was one of the two that I'd prepped, so yeah, should should be a, a winner there, but you never know. Uh, Sam, you're up next. I think I will go Harry Kane. Oh my god, that was the second I'd prepped. Yeah, I think uh, Harry Kane, I've not even done any prep for this, I'm just looking purely. I'm, He's in good form at minutes. He's at home, so yeah, I expect him to bag nice and early off 12 kickoff. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, Kemp, you're up next, mate. Well, I uh, very quickly try and find someone else. Yeah, well, I'm going to stick to um, Newcastle. I'm going to follow the same route that Aggie's gone down, but I'm going to go Alexander Isak instead. Um, as as Ags mentioned, Callum Wilson's in good form, um, but I think Newcastle will get a hatful, and I think Isak will be amongst the scorers. So. Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. And I'm just going to try and kill a bit of time. We'll look for a scorer because I can't go for them. So let me go. Bruno. Mm, no, not Bruno. I've got my eye on someone, but it's going to come down to whether or not. Actually, no, he definitely won't play. 
So I'm going to go Mo Salah for Liverpool at home to Villa purely because I'm scrambling and I don't want to take up any more time. Uh, Delhi, who's your wild card? The only caveat is they cannot be the bookies' favourite. Who are you going for? Are you going to go for the one that you spoiled earlier or have you changed your mind? I'm going to go for Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> Is that is that purely down wishful to if thinking. they win? Yeah, is that wishful thinking or is there some logic there? It's definitely going with my heart and not my head. So we'll see, we'll see. We will see indeed. That's fair. Um, I'm up first for the wild cards. I prepped two, um, but I'm gonna go with Wolves at home to Everton. Um, it's pretty tight. It's razor thin, but. Yeah, I had another team as my first choice, but last minute I've changed. I'm going to go Wolves at home to Everton, even though they've not really got anything to play for, but fuck it. Uh, Kemp? Yeah, I'm going to go League Two. Uh, in the playoffs, I'm going to go with Bradford to beat Carlisle away, playing on Saturday afternoon at three o'clock. Um, yeah, Brad Bradford are going to be my pick on this one because, as we said, it is fairly slim pickings. So there we go. It is, and I would say that you're Mr. Wildcard, but that uh, accolade and title now sits with Sam. So, uh, Sam, you're Mr. Wildcard. Who have you got this week? Mr. Wildcard, I am going to go against whoever picked Liverpool's lock, and I'm going to go for Villa to win it. And I think you were Aggie, ain't it? It was, it was Villa Aggie. to win it and build. And I did agree with you. Like I said I thought Liverpool were a good pick, but again, it's purely down slim pickings. And at 21 to 4, I don't think uh, Villa are a bad bet there. No, absolutely not. And Aggie closes off on the selections for this week, mate. Who have you got for your wild card? You guys have said it's really close. I'm spoiled for choice of the three that I wrote down. All three are still going. Um, I'm going to go with Bournemouth. You best fucking pick a, right, a correct one then, aren't you? Yeah. That's <laughs> good, right. Bournemouth to beat United. Put some great pressure on him, Sam, there. Why not? Was that, was that Bournemouth, mate, you said there? Bournemouth to beat United, yeah. Yeah. What's, uh, what's the logic there? I just think it's one of them games in the potential uh, potential banana skin for United. They're uh, starting to fall out of form a little bit. Bournemouth are fighting for their lives at the bottom, so why not? I'd also got Palace to win away against Fulham or Brentford to win away against Spurs as backup. Yeah, Palace was the uh, other one that I'd prepped. But yeah, United's away form is absolutely shocking, so yes. could could be uh, in with a shout. So, Delhi, we've got your luck, we've got your score, we've got your wild card. We've now got three games to get a score prediction from you uh, for... Three out of six is the high score, so this is where you need to be getting one, potentially two right to get yourself at the top of that leaderboard, either tied with Chris and Paul or our outright leader with one week to go. So, as always, we start with the team that the person we've got on supports, and that is Arsenal, and they are away at Forest. What's your score prediction? 2-1 to Arsenal. Close game. I'll take that for my lock. Yeah, I'm sure you will, mate. I'm sure you will. Uh, next up, well, you've already ruined it with your wild card, but what's your score prediction for City versus Chelsea? 2-1 to Chelsea. You can't be serious. <laughs> what is that? I'm, I'm coming on this next week if this wins, just so you know. Just I will be on. Say yes or no, I'm coming on. <laughs> All right, I'll tell you what. That's fair. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you what. If Chelsea okay. win, you can come on next week. You can open the show with your review of Man City versus Chelsea. And that Arsenal could still potentially do it, yeah? Yeah, all right, cool. <laughs> We'll uh, we'll do we'll agree on that then. And last but not least, or it is least because it's Liverpool actually. So Liverpool versus Villa. What's your score prediction there? Three uh, one to Liverpool. Interesting, interesting. Aggie will take that, and Sam will not. 
Um, so, just to confirm, your lock is Brighton, your scorer is Erling Haaland, your wild card is Chelsea, you've got Arsenal to beat Forest 2-1, Chelsea to beat City 2-1, and Liverpool to beat Villa 3-1. Um, yeah, three out of six is the high score. Realistically, do you think you can get all six, or probably more realistically, where do you think you'll land on the leaderboard with those selections? I think I'm going to get five out of six. I'm worried about City-Chelsea, but I think I'm going to get five out of six. Well, that'll leave you with four out of six then, won't it, if you've gone and winning on... Um, Six out, I don't know. I just, I'm confident I'll get four right. That's fair, that's fair. Well, we didn't have the lock-in last week, but uh, we will review it next week uh, when we have our final guest of the season on. But yeah, the best of luck to you. Um, and yeah, I'm sure you'll be cheering on Chelsea like you've never cheered on Chelsea before, seeing as you're an Arsenal fan. But before we let you go and enjoy the rest of your evening, we will close off with the question that we ask every single one of our guests to finish in the listener lock-in section. And that is, who is your sporting hero and why? Hmm. Teary on me, you know. I just think, I'll tell you why. No, I'll tell you why. Because I watched Arsenal against Leeds and it was the first time I'd I'd ever had a bet. I haven't got a gambling problem. I've mentioned betting twice. Um, And I I was only little. I think someone over 18 had put it on for me. And this is a true story. And I had... 4-1 4-1 to Arsenal to beat Leeds and Thierry on me to have a hat-trick. And it happened. It came in. And so, and I've always been a big fan of him, to be fair. Even now, like, when he's doing his telly stuff. Yeah, just Thierry on me. I think he's I good. Think, uh, I don't think that's a wrong answer there, no. is it? One of the greatest strikers ever played yeah, in the Premier League. Definitely. I was going to say a few other people, but not based on looks. It's based on skill and, and commitment to teams and stuff. He's so, got both. Yeah. And he's got both, to yeah. be fair. Why do you like yes. a bit of theory on me, Sam? Oh, he's, he's a looker. <laughs> Come on, he's a looker. He's a handsome man, isn't he? Yeah. But I'm sure, uh, I'm sure if you based it on looks, then Olivier Giroud would have been the uh, answer to that question. But I forgot oh, about him. Is it? Big fan, <laughs> are you? Big fan? I was a big fan. Then he went to Chelsea, didn't he? And whatever. So Bastard. Not a fan a fucking, He's a cart horse as well, let's be honest. So <laughs> Yeah, but you can't, you can't argue that he's a, a handsome man. Come on. No, absolutely not. But, you know, Henri, like we said, he's got both. And he's got va-va-boom, and you can't teach yeah. that. No. And he's brilliant on CBS as well, isn't he, with, uh, with Kate Carrow and uh, Micah. But, uh, yeah, Belly, absolute pleasure having you on. I think you've been class. Good Thank luck you. to Arsenal this weekend. And, uh, yeah, well, City are going to win it, mate, so don't stress. I'll see but you maybe next, next week year. Chelsea win, mate. I'll see you next week. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll send you the Zoom link ready to go. Thank you. See you later, Always. guys. See you later, Belly. Thanks for coming on. Nice one. Okay, bye. All right then, lads, straight into the football. And seeing as we were talking about City and, and their potential to win the league title this weekend, I think it, it's only right that we uh, we discuss that Champions League performance, don't we? We'll very quickly get out of the way because there's not much that needs to be said. But Inter Milan beat AC Milan 1-0 to secure a 3-0 aggregate win. But as we know, the main event of the week, the main event of the sporting week was Manchester City hosting Real Madrid at the Etihad for a place in the Champions League final. And lads... I don't think there's ever been an as unexpected one-sided affair as, as what we saw at, at the Etihad. And Sam, I'll let you start with it. Your thoughts? You, 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 you know, you backed City. You said it was their year. They, I think, anyone that was of that opinion, they still outdid those expectations with their performance yeah. this week. Yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable. The um, there was definitely the better team in the first leg. We all see that, and if if they played as well as they could have done. Um, going into the second leg, we knew that that that's the sort of thing that that's the display they could have put on. And yeah, they, t- they turned up. 
first half was just absolutely outstanding. Tore him apart. I think the damage was done. I think he went into two 0 at half time, and uh, yeah, it's um, it, the second half. It went a bit more pedestrian. Madrid just seemed to have lost the way, defending completely out of shape. Never seen a Madrid team look as I won't say average. They were they were really poor. To put in a Boston Celtics skin, Bob. Uh, yeah, they, they were really poor Real Madrid. Um, but no, City were good for it. Um, De Bruyne class. I'm going to give a shout out to Kyle Walker because I thought he was absolutely outstanding, and that's in both legs. Just every single time, uh, Vinny J were just you know trying to use his pace against him. Kyle Walker were almost welcoming that sort of challenge, and we all know it. He thrives on that sort of defending ways, shoulder to shoulder, getting back and getting in one on one tackles. And it, it was, I thought he was probably the best player over both legs for me. Um, so, yeah, fully deserved. It's going into the final. I cannot, I cannot see any way City don't win it. So, therefore, put all your money on Inter Milan because I've, uh, I think I've given City a kiss of death there, but I, I really can't see Milan being, well, Inter, should I say, being uh, being good enough to stop that City team. They look like, as my old, one of my old favourite words, a bit of a buzzsaw at the minute where, it doesn't matter who they're playing, they're going to beat. And uh, sorry for United in that, that FA Cup, FA Cup final because they've got it all to play for there. Yeah, so it's it's all on the line. And, and you mentioned there Kyle Walker and he Vinicius Junior. I think is a top three winger in the world at the moment, potentially yeah. right in the conversation for the best winger at, at the moment in world football. And like you said, he kept him quiet. Mbappe, as we know, was dominant in the World Cup and, and has been in an international shirt for a few years now. And, and that game plan in, in the World Cup quarterfinal, despite France winning, was Walker on Mbappe. And, and he was an absolute, he, he was a no-show in that game, probably the only game that he didn't dominate in the World Cup. Where did it, and I know this is outside of the Premier League, but you look at what he's done with City and, and an integral part over the years that he's been of their growth and their success. I don't really see, and Sam, you mentioned this, so I'll bring it in just so we can have a discussion. But, you know, you talk about best ever Premier League right-back, sort of Gary Neville, I think, would would get the majority of votes. Is Carl Walker now deserving of, of being in that conversation? And, and do you think, you know, where do you think he stands in that list? Number one. Number one for me. Um, Neville, longevity, he's obviously got that on his side. It was never, I don't think he was ever, I don't think he was ever the best right-back in the Premier League. I don't think in that in a particular season for me. I don't think. Don't get me wrong. He didn't. He didn't put a foot wrong in, in Fergie many times. He were always just a very steady right back, and him and Beckham were out, just unbelievable combination. But I don't think he, he was ever the. You know, if you were picking a Premier League team of season, I think that was always a question mark for, for for him fitting in there. But for me, Kyle Walker is head and shoulders above anything Gary Neville's ever been. He's got the pace, power, defending, going forward. Um, uh, and and he's got the he's got the he's got the titles to back it up as well, which I think is important in that conversation. Yeah. Obviously, Neville is is what everything Gary Neville and, and fair play to him. You know, a, a poor player is not going to win as and it, matching up on his CV, it's not going to look like if you're a poor player. But I think Kyle Walker now, especially if he can add this Champions League to his uh, his resume, I think uh, I think he takes the the greatest Eng- English right back ever and probably the greatest Premier League right back ever. So. Yeah, he's, he's number one for me. He's number one. Very interesting. I'll bring Kemp in for this because he is a Sheffield United boy. He is a player that came through the ranks. Do you agree with that statement? And, and I suppose a little additional question for you personally, where would you rank him on the all-time Sheffield United players list? 
Well, I suppose it depends on what how that question's formatted. So if it's the best player to play for Sheffield United, well, the best the, the best player that's ever played for Sheffield United. They've got Sheffield United oh. on the CV and their overall career. Oh, Where you, you know what? That is such a tough question. I mean, we, we, we had Ian Rush, didn't we, for a season or two. So is he, you know, elite player? Um, very, very good. Brian Dean, very good. Legend of the lane. He's up there. He's definitely up there. I couldn't tell you definitively off the top of my head as to whether he is, but he's definitely up there. And and as Sam just mentioned there, in terms of Premier League right-backs, Carl Walker, for me, is 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 the best Premier League right-back ever. Um, again, I think everybody is pretty convincing. They said Gary Neville. Simple reason being, it's been that position where we've probably had really good players for a few seasons, like, you know, Trent had a really good couple of years when he had that midfield to rely on. Um, we've had some some fantastic players in that position for, for various teams, but Gary Neville did it for 15, 20 years. And I think that's why everybody kind of defaults back to Gary Neville for that. But um, Carl Walker joined Tottenham in 2009, 2010 on the double transfer with Carl Norton from Sheffield United, as you mentioned there, Dawson. Um, uh, went on loan a couple of times as well to QPR and Villa, I think. Um, but then on the back of that, you know, he's played in the Premier League for Spurs or City, you know, a top team for 11 years or so now. Um, always been pretty consistent, never really put that much of a foot wrong. I've never come out of watching a game of football thinking, oh, bloody hell, Carl Walker's on a shocker there. You know, he's always been pretty reliable. Um, and, and for him to take on the challenge of somebody like Vinicius Junior, who's junior, he's ten years Carl Walker's junior, uh, literally, and um, and and he 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 didn't even have a sniff in that game. It was really really impressive the way that he he's got the pace still at thirty two to keep up with these players. His his awareness, his intelligence, his his ball playing ability as well. Um, he fits in perfectly to what Manchester City do, but. I think he could fit into any Premier League eleven and, and fit perfectly into what they do. So, me personally, he's definitely up there as one of the best players to ever play for Sheffield United in terms of the resume and going on to do other things. But definitively, I can say that he's the best right-back um, ever in the Premier League, in my opinion, whether they be English or anything else. Um, that's due to longevity and the performances that he's put in because Sam's just said there and he made an excellent point. Um, you never looked at Gary Neville and said, wow, Unbelievable, you know, he's had an unbelievable season. What a game, you know, he's just all reliable. Whereas Carl Walker is is different graving. And unfortunately, Gary Neville uh, never ever got to that level. So uh, yeah, Carl Walker for me is is number one. Well, uh, that brings me in nicely to getting the third and final opinion on this because you mentioned there about old reliable, getting the job done, old school right back role, which I think Aggie, if, if anyone on this uh, on this show would appreciate, it would be him. So is Gary Neville still number one, or do you think Kyle Walker now stands there as the man that could take that crown off him? I've got to agree with both Kemp and Sam that Kyle Walker is the, the best right back in Premier League history, as far as I'm concerned. What he's proven over this last couple of years and this season, more in particular, he has become kind of like an all reliable himself, if if you will. Like you've just been saying about Gary Neville, people just assumed it was going to be him that was everyone's first choice of right back. Kyle Walker's doing the exact same thing at the moment, and He's been doing it for England. He's been quite versatile, moving into a centre-half role. He's done that a couple of times for Man City as well. I think he's just proven himself as an out-and-out better player. Very energetic, even for his age. Some people start to see people getting slower at that point, but to go up against players like Vinicius Junior and Mbappe, like Sam and Kemp have said, it's just outstanding to see him still playing at that level and still able to continue. And I think we've still got a good five years left with him before he starts to see any sort of decline. 
And uh, I know, I can't remember when it was exactly. I think it was in some kind of post-match interview somewhere at some point, but I'm sure, Kemp, you will see him at Bramall Lane just uh, if, for maybe one season more at some point in the future. Um, but yeah, he's he's done phenomenally well. And Sam, I think it was a, a great point. I know, Kemp, you uh, you mentioned it as well. So it's it's definitely coming to the forefront of people's minds of exactly... But do you know what, the, on that one as well, and, and I will ask you, Dawson, your opinion in just a second as a Man United fan, Man United fan, Chesterfield fan, really. Um, we'll get into that. I don't know if I've told you this story, but when he, he played at Lane for a few years, came out of our academy, as we've discussed, and Carl Norton and Carl Walker, right back and left back, were both signed at the same time, package deal from Spurs. Okay, Believe it or not, when they played for Sheffield United, Carl Walker was leagues behind Carl Norton. Leagues behind. Carl Norton was five, ten times better than him. And everybody, when we lost him, it was, oh, God, Carl Norton's going as a... Walker's going as well, but Cal Norton's the one that we're really good about. But you look at their careers then and how they've gone from there, it's it's ridiculous. I don't even know where Cal Norton's playing. Last time I think it was Norwich, I checked. So, yeah, what an unbelievable career he's had and and that's due to hard work. Because like I say, when he came out of the Spurs, you know, our academy went to Spurs, I think we all thought, you know, they want Cal Norton, but they're kind of taking Cal Walker with them sort of thing. So, but Dawson, enough of tapping your head. What do you think on this situation, on this scenario? Do you think Gary Neville or do you think potentially Carl Walker? Uh, yeah, I think I'd be silly to say, you know, oh no, it's definitely Gary Neville. Going back to the point I made when I raised the subject of he's kept players like Vinicius Junior quiet. Um, you know, the World Cup against France, where again, he was the only player in that tournament that could keep Mbappe quiet at all. And he was non-existent in that game. So, yeah, uh, Aggie, you mentioned the pace, the power, or Kemp, I think it was you, sorry, I can't remember. But yeah, I think as a complete right back, he's, yeah, sorry, the one person I didn't give credit to there, sorry, mate. But yeah, it, it, you said it, Sam, of like, you need you need to have the trophies to back it up when you have these conversations. We've had it about Kane before and his Premier League legacy and all that, but he's won a hell of a lot already and he's what, three, four weeks away from potentially having won it all, certainly at club level anyway. So, yeah, he's got to be right up there in the conversation of, of best ever, you know, not just necessarily the Premier League. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be silly if I if I tried to argue otherwise. But, uh, Aggie, you've not said much so far this episode and you were very solemn at the start and it is that time of the show to, to get into why Saturday afternoon, 3.30pm, Chesterfield versus Knox County, National League playoff final for a place back in league football. Chesterfield took an early lead through an Andrew Dallas penalty and held onto that lead for around 80 minutes before a late John Bostock free kick slash mistake by their goalkeeper, Ross Fitzsimons, led to the game going to extra time. Armando Dobre, quite again, early into extra time, put Chesterfield back in front with a wonder goal. And again, it looks like Chesterfield might hold on, but Ruben Rodriguez scored to yet again equalise for Notts County before fantastic saves by the Notts County goalkeeper from penalties from Darren Oldacre and Jeff King led to Notts County winning 4-2 on penalties and meaning Chesterfield have to spend yet another year in the National League. Adam, I know overall it's going to be a sad memory, but talk about the day, talk about UA down, talk about the game as it went on and, you know, sort of the emotions that you felt during that well, nearly near two hours. 
from the moment I got up at half past five, I started to feel a little bit nervous, got on the coach, everything was all right. And then as soon as you get towards where you can see Wembley and the arch, you, you kind of, the nerves build up because it's kind of that realisation that you're there and you're about to witness your team play there. And we got off the coach, I think we got about three hours to spare. So we went in a couple of the fan zones, had a couple of drinks, walked uh, down Wembley Way just to say we had. Uh, went into the stadium and got the feel for it. And at that point, like you go into a roller coaster of emotions throughout the entire of the game, especially when it's that close. And I know you said that Man City against Real Madrid was obviously the biggest game of the week, but I think Chesterfield against Notts County was an excellent showcase for that division. I think it was a great advert for the National League. Um, and a great argument as to why three teams should be going up from that division. I know we mentioned it briefly last week that only two do. And I think... Oh, oh, the better team over the season won that game, not the better team on the day. And that might be me looking at bias, Sam, Kemp, of course, you watched it in the pub, so you might have a different opinion of it. But I felt that we were probably the better side in that game. And when we went 2-1 up and Dobra scored that goal, I'll, I'll admit it, I felt myself crying, thinking, you know what, we're going back into the Football League. And then we, we did the old Chesterfield thing of conceding a silly goal towards the end. We, we slipped off a little bit and, and let them get through. And at that point... We'd taken all our attacking players off. The only attacking player we'd got was Joe Quigley, and he's a target man. He holds the ball up for players to make the, the runs on him. Of course, nobody were. Everyone's legs were tired, and it got a little bit too late. From the moment you saw Notts County, you'd named players like Jody Jones um, and Chedwin Scott on the bench. And when they came into the game, you think, these are players that are in any other team in this division, bar maybe Wrexham and, to an extent, Chesterfield. They're getting into a starting eleven. These are very good players that are too good for this division. And they're on their bloody bench. So when they're coming on, you, you look at it and you think, you know what, they are the better team. I'll be honest with you. It hurts. It did at the time. But Notts County, they deserve to go up. It, it would have been criminal to finish on 107 points and not get promoted at the end of it. But I think it hurts more because on the day, I felt that we were the better side and, and maybe deserved it a little bit more. As a, yeah. as, a neutral, as, a, as a neutral, I watched it in the pub with, uh, with Dawson and Kemp. And uh, 100%, I back you. You were the better team on the day. Notts County had definitely had most of the ball. Can you name one clear chance that they scored? They, they, they you know, should have scored. They, they shouldn't. They had a freak goal. The keeper made an absolute howler. Um, and then that goal, it's it just beaten by it, bounce one of them, one in a million of them, drop it back at net where it's just into the floor, it bounced over the keeper. They don't go in. They just don't. And, and it did on that day with their day. Like you say, over the season, they probably deserved that little bit of luck, if you're being honest. Uh, but I 100% thought Chesterfield were the better side on the day. Uh, I thought every time you went forward, especially first half, every time you went forward on down that left side, that left channel, you had so many opportunities where you could have just cut it back to a penalty spot and no one was quite there. You didn't quite have that final bit of quality in final third, but what a goal by uh, by Dobra that was to you know put you, put you two on up. I, I didn't see that coming at all. I thought as soon as it went to 1-1, an extra time, I thought you've, uh, I thought you'd, you'd blown your chances, but fair play, you kept fighting. I, I do honestly think you were the better side on the day. I've got to agree with yeah. what you said then about um, with Dobra and everything, but with the changes that were made, we were looking at it, and um, Maguire was originally coming on for Jeff King. I don't know if you got to see it with the cameras, but Armando Dobra went down, holding his ankle, and requested to come off because he'd just come back from injury himself. Colclough was another player that had just come back from injury. And neither of them could, well, Colcliffe couldn't make the 90 minutes. Dobra managed the 90 and just fell short of the 105. But those two players, we, we had to take them off. And I think they're, they're going to stick around for next year. Hopefully, there's not going to be too much interest from teams in above divisions. I know there's a couple of teams in, in League One that are looking around for An Andrew Dallas. But hopefully, we'll be able to, uh, to keep him around and, and perhaps 
perhaps push yeah, you've, you, you've got a great core and, and players that obviously I was I was talking to Sam and Kemp a lot especially Sam sort of before the game started in the first sort of opening 10-15 minutes obviously trying to fill him in on some players from Town's perspective who the threats were and things like that and and Dallas and Colclough, as as much as I'd love to see them there because you brought them in late and, and how you were as an attacking team was so much different, so much more dynamic and everything else. But I can't see how they don't move up a level uh, next season. I think the calibre of player they are, they deserve it. But yeah, I, I, I really hope they stick along because I think having the quality of those two for a full season should see you over the line. And, and I think it's that thing that you've been missing in that final third over the last sort of season or two. But uh, I, I never thought, I, I said at the end of last week that, you know, I'd be absolutely buzzing if they went up. I'd be gutted if they didn't. And I was genuinely gutted. I was sat in the corner of the star watching the telly. People were sort of filtering in and out, going to the toilet outside. And, you know, I was making sure that I didn't miss a second. I, I was fully invested. And, yeah, I was absolutely gutted when uh, when they equalised and, and then obviously did again. But the penalties were, what can you do? We were talking about the... Um, Notts County manager doing the the Van Hall bringing on on a keeper rat at the end of extra time. Um, it was Mayor was his name. I can't remember. So I do apologise. On loan from Norwich, about six foot five, uh, and he made two wonder saves. Like you can't as 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 disappointed as you'll be, and Chessfield fans will be. You can't look at that and think you know an old Acre or a King skied their penalty or they slipped like a John Terry or that it were a tame penalty or it, they were great penalties and and even better saves. They go in the back of the net and you're not thinking they got lucky. So full credit to the Knox County keeper and again credit to the to the manager for for making that change. It's paid off in the past and it hasn't paid off for, for some others. So I don't think there's one type of town player that there's no there's no scapegoats other than obviously, you know, the keeper who's moved on, but nobody's really talking about that. And I think that that is quite a rare thing to see in football in Sam and Kemper's neutrals. I don't know how much you will have seen on social media. Obviously, me and Adam will follow certain players and be in certain groups and all that kind of stuff and follow certain teams but usually coming out of a game a big game like that with such high stakes there there's a scapegoat there's a target and there's been stuff with Armando Dobra which I, I think is separate and, and being dealt with but as a whole it is just such a majority of like we're so proud of what that team achieved and, and things like that. so it, you know it, it made a nice change but yeah hopefully Chesterfield keep the core of that team together they've got a, quite a few players I think at least five or six players that could potentially be targeted by League Two clubs, even maybe a touch higher uh, in the in the next year. But uh, yeah, tough day, Aggie. But we go again, don't we? And, and you know, hope that next season is the one. Yeah. Just before you move on to the next subject, it seems like that's the way you kind of going with it, mate. I've, I've mentioned this to you before. You you're starting to watch us a bit more now. You you you're spending a bit more time inside the Technique Stadium. Could you please? Stop referring to Chessfield as you. If you're part of, if you if you you're supporting us now, it's we. Sorry, you're mate. Driving me insane. Sorry, mate. I do I do apologise. We're going up next year, aren't we? Yeah. There we go. There we go. And yeah, Kemp uh, Kemp gave me a tremendous upper back slash back of the neck massage for about twenty three minutes after uh, after Scott had scored that uh, winning penalty. And what a great like. Yeah, you know, all emotions aside, what a great redemption moment for him, by the way. You know, the much-covered penalty save from Ben Foster was from him earlier in the season in that massive game against Wrexham. So what a moment of redemption for him. To No one will remember that save from Foster anymore. He's the player that scored the winning penalty to get them promoted. So I'm sure that was an incredible moment for him after weeks of frustration, I'm sure, after that Ben Foster save. So, yeah, I think that deserves a mention. But, yeah, tough day. But, you know... 
next what? season's a lot. Warms my heart. Warms my heart. The, the picture, the thought of uh, you next season going to more games in between the uh, the Marsden brothers, like a <laughs> like a like a rose between two thorns. I didn't even see there's, that, to be fair. there's uh there's two issues with what you've just said there. One, I don't <laughs> think I can go to any more games than what I did, and two, Adam doesn't go to any for me to be stuck in between him and Gaz. Bless you. But Gaz, but, but game on for Gaz, yeah? Game on for Gaz, mate. I'll be up there. I'm not sure I'll be uh, the topless spy right sort of apprentice, but uh, that's you his wait. gimmick. No gimmick infringement. But look, yeah, I'm, I'm, there's no doubt I'll be there for games this season. I'll be cheering them on. And yeah, it's 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 this now, isn't it? It's the, it's the mental side of it. They've got the squad. They've got the players. The, it, it's just like, it's just that little bit of luck. Notts County over the season deserved it, but just one mistake cost it. One lucky bounce cost it. Two amazing saves from this. It's those little things that that are, that are the difference. But uh, yeah, next season's the one, Aggie. So you can cheer up now, mate. I know you were dreading talking about it, but we made it through. Um, but Kempy, it is your turn now, mate, to uh, to get stuck in, bring in the emotions, do whatever you want. It's uh, it's time to get into Kempy's combat corner. And uh, you're going to start off with a uh, a boxing match that ended with a finish that uh, probably won a few bonuses and would have featured in a few highlight reels had it taken place in a uh, a UFC match. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the the, uh, the boxing match you're referring to, KSI versus Joe Fournier, the latest in the influencer boxing scene. Um, a, a bit of a change in direction for the Misfits boxing. And, and not in a particularly good way, in my opinion. Um, the last few cards they've done seem to be influencers who really want to take up boxing, really want to get invested and start, you know, being positive role models for for boxing uh, themselves and for kids to maybe get off the streets, get out of gangs and, and get into the boxing gym, which is fantastic. Um, this card had a bit of unsavoury goings on in, in a few of the fights. Um, Tommy Fury starting fights at ringside couple of 400 pound guys getting it on and fighting i don't know if any of you boys have seen the uh, the clips of that one but 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 that was an interesting one i think the selling point of that one was the heaviest boxing match in the world which for me is not going to sell any tickets but you know each to, to each their own um and 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 it wasn't i think again they, they strayed away a little bit from what's made them maybe appealing to people like me boxing fans mma fans combat sports fans that have maybe dipped in a little bit to see what's going on and 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 it, it put me off just a little bit, but uh, I saw the fight. I watched it. I was very drunk when I watched the fight, admittedly, but um, I did watch it again the next morning with a clearer head. Um, and as you mentioned there, Dawson, absolutely um, an elbow that John Jones would be proud of. And I don't think KSI meant to do it. Um, KSI landed a big shot over the top. Joe Fournier was clearly rocked. Um, KSI is very very um, wild and erratic with his style. He, he still swings a little bit. It's still a little bit of windmilling, as, as you often see in influencer boxing and, and YouTube boxing, probably more often than not. Um, but he, he, he got it done. And I believe it will be overturned and it will be a no contest. Um, but, but KSI, you know, at the end of the night, squaring up Tommy Fury, Joe Fournier on the mat, um, and he did, in, in that sense, get the job done and did what he needed to do um, with, without probably taking the win, with it being changed to a no contest. So while Misfits Boxing is always interesting to talk about and Influencer Boxing is always interesting to talk about, Jake Paul versus uh, versus Nate Diaz in a, in a few months' time will we'll be obviously on the agenda for us as well. 
Um, but now it's time to talk about a real main event, a real, real boxing main event, two actually, taking place this weekend. And I'm going to talk about the first one coming from the British Isles, from our home shores. It is Katie Taylor versus Chantel Cameron. Um, Katie Taylor moving up in weight, challenging Chantel Cameron um, for her um, for, for the undisputed um, titles that Chantel Cameron holds, the super lightweight titles. Um, Katie Taylor is the undisputed lightweight champion, as far as I'm aware. I believe, again, boxed in, there's so many divisions and so many belts, it does sometimes confuse. Um, and Chantel Cameron is the undisputed, undefeated, super lightweight champion of the world. As I say, it takes place at the Three Arena in Dublin, Ireland. Katie Taylor, um, 22 fights on her professional record on her resume, and not one of those fights has taken place from the Emerald Isle. So um, the homecoming for Katie Taylor as it's been billed, um, and I'm sure it will be a good one. It's going to be a really, really tough fight for Katie Taylor. Chantel Cameron is is a gritty, gritty boxer who is quite happy to stand in the pocket um, and, 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 and trade and, and make the most of the size advantage that she does have over Katie Taylor with her being in the division above. But Katie Taylor is one of the best female boxers around, if not the greatest female boxer ever. You know, defeated Amanda Serrano. Uh, I think she defeated her. I know a lot of people dispute that. Um, but 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 Katie Taylor is is one of the best in the business, if not the best. An undisputed champion, a two-weight world champion for a reason. Um, and that is going to be taking place over the weekend. We've also got uh, a decent undercar being put on by DAZN and Matchroom Boxing. Um, it is all part of the DAZN subscription as well, which I think is quite good. Terry Harper versus Cecilia, Cecilia Brakus. Dennis Hogan versus James Matcalf, Gary Cully, who is a really, really good contender um, at lightweight in the Irish uh, sort of ranks um, and a few decent fights on the undercard as well. So that's going to be a good fight. I'm really looking forward to watching that fight. I know uh, some people haven't quite come round to, to women's boxing just yet. Some people quite, don't quite see the appeal. But for me, if you've never seen a Katie Taylor fight, it is always a fantastic event. And I'm sure, as it was when Conor McGregor uh, fought against Diego Brandao all those years ago in Dublin, Ireland at the Three Arena. Um, it is going to be a fantastic atmosphere. So that's going to be a good one. Another fantastic one is taking place on the same night, a little bit later on in the evening, though. This will be early hours of Sunday morning. And it is Devin Haney versus Vasily Lomachenko for the um, WBC, WBO, WBA, IBF World Lightweight titles. Um, and uh, what more do you need to say about this fight? Devin Haney is regarded as one of potentially the best pound-for-pound pound fighters in the, on the planet, um, and Vasily Lomachenko, probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest, amateur fighters we've ever seen. Um, last couple of years, it's been a bit of a tumultuous time for Lomachenko, obviously what's going on in his home country of Ukraine and, and, and a defeat to, to boot, but what an unbelievable fight this is going to be. This is the highest level of boxing that you are going to see these days. Um, both unbelievable boxers. Devin Haney is so slick. Uh, he's got such unbelievable movement and his, his fundamentals are absolutely fantastic. But then you talk about slick, you know, Ukrainian fighters, Usyk, Lomachenko have talked about, you know, training as ballerinas when they were, when they were kids to, to get that fluid movement and, and to, to, to dance around the ring like ballerinas, as I say. So what a fight this is going to be. Um, David Haney is potentially going to be the biggest name in boxing. He's, he's still very, very young. Vasily Lomachenko coming maybe towards the back end of his career. Hasn't had that many professional fights. But again, an unbelievable amateur career, which, which kind of held that off a little bit, um, but got to a world title level in a very, very quick fashion when he did make the pro ranks. 
This one is on Sky Sports. Um, it is going to be taking place, like I say, early in the morning out of Las Vegas, Nevada, as it always is. Um, and if you are a boxing fan, you've got a lot to look forward to this weekend. And maybe get that KSI-flavoured taste out of your mouth just a little bit. So, for me, in terms of predictions, I am going to say that Chantel Cameron will defeat Katie Taylor um, by late stoppage. I think she will stop her in the 11th round. It is probably a controversial take from me. Um, Katie Taylor is always the favourite going into the fights, but I do believe that Chantel Cameron is an unbelievable fighter in her own regard. And I do think that she will get the job done. I just do. It's just something that I've seen a lot in the build-up, a lot in fight week. And Chantel Cameron looks very, very quietly confident building up to this fight. So don't think it'll be quite the, the homecoming that Katie Taylor is after. However, the rematch in Croke Park will be there afterwards. And that will be probably the biggest um, event that Ireland's seen in a very, very long time. So if that happens, it's a win-win for everybody. And I'm sure Eddie Hearn will make sure she's got that rematch clause penciled in there, no question about it. In terms of Lomachenko versus Devin Haney, I'm going to take Devin Haney for this fight. I think he will win on a points decision. As I say, Vasily Lomachenko is probably one of the, the greatest fighters to, to come out of Ukraine. And that's such an unbelievable statement when you've had the Klitschko brothers and Alexander Usyk and all these unbelievable fighters out of Ukraine. But Vasily Lomachenko is, is such an unbelievable fighter um, and, and his movement is something that boxing fans world over um, will will really talk about in, in in very high regard. So, yeah, for me, I think David Haney will beat uh, Vasily Lomachenko and I think it will be on points. As I say, Lomachenko's movement is unbelievable, but David Haney, the much younger man, the much fresher man, um, and I do believe he will get the job done. But it's not going to be easy. I know he's come out and said that it's going to be an easy night for him. I know there's a lot of trash talking boxing, the build-up to the fight. I think he knows as well as I do and everybody else in the boxing world that it is not going to be an easy night for him and Vasily Lomachenko isn't going to make it a walk in the park. So for me, two unbelievable fights taking place this weekend. I'm really looking forward to watching the Katie Taylor fight. I'm not committed enough to boxing sale for the, for the Lomachenko-Devin Haney fight, but uh, but we shall see. Just before we do move on to the next stage of, 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 of Loaded Sport for this week, um, I do want to touch on a little bit of MMA. Not in the cage per se, although there have been some fantastic fight announcements coming up in the next few months, which we will talk about when they get a little bit closer. International Fight Week's looking very good and, and, and the, the prospects for July are looking fantastic as well. But a fighter that has actually left the UFC now and has signed a short-term deal as an MMA fighter and also a part owner of PFL Africa um, and that is Francis the Predator Ngannou, the former undisputed UFC heavyweight champion of the world before leaving the UFC due to a contract dispute. And obviously, John Jones has now taken that mantle. There has been reports on what the, the, the pay and the contract looks like for Francis Ngannou. Walked away from a very, very big payment from the UFC. Never really confirmed as to what that was but according to Dana White the biggest paycheck that heavyweight has ever been paid and Francis Ngannou walked away from that um, Dawson I know you're not massively up to speed with a lot in terms of the UFC and, and, and what's going on but obviously you've seen this move from Francis Ngannou it's a shortish term fight I think there's three fights on the deal um, it's 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 an allow him to step into that boxing realm as well, where he could have a fight with Tyson Fury or anybody, any of the heavyweights, which is going to make him a boatload of money. 
what are your thoughts on this? Because there tends to be two, two schools of thoughts. There tends to be, should have stayed with the UFC, took the big contract, got the legacy, or done the right thing, got the money, can compete in boxing, done the right thing for him, got the control. Where do you stand? Where do you fall on this situation with Francis Ngannou? I'm in the get paid while you can camp, 100%. It's, it's been widely reported, discussed, everything else in regards to the pay that UFC fighters get, unless you're a top, 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 top level fighter like a, a McGregor or a Ronda Rousey. You know, you're never going to get paid what a lot of people feel like you should be paid. You look at some of the money that these influencers are making and the fighters that they're fighting are making and, and some people that have had UFC slash MMA experience are going in the boxing ring against a you know, there's someone that's not from a, a combat background and getting paid more than they've ever been paid before. So I'm 100% in the camp of getting paid. Um, a fighting career isn't a career that lasts forever. Uh, and a fighting career is a career that can end at any given moment, you know, by one hit or, or any other kind of accident. So, yeah, I'm well with it. Uh, the report, the reports have stated that he's going to get paid seven figures per fight. His opponents will get £2 million. And Garnier will also get a share of any profits from pay-per-view buys or, or anything else that, that potentially brings money into any events that he's on. So 1 million percent, not even a doubt in my mind, I'm fully in the get paid while you can camp. And he looks like he's done, uh, he's gone, he's done very well in achieving that. Yeah, I completely agree. Francis is 36, as I've discussed with, with you boys very briefly um, off air. 36 is not too old for a heavyweight. There have been known for heavyweights to fight in their prime. So very late 30s, early 40s. So it's definitely something that we'll potentially do. Um, for me, I think it's a fantastic deal for Francis Ngannou. What he's talked about a lot, and obviously money does play a big part in it, but what Francis has talked about a lot is freedom. You know, in the UFC, you can't have your own sponsors. You can't go and do boxing whenever you want. You can't do this, you can't do that. It's very, very tight. And, and that's a good thing and a bad thing because it means that the fighters have to fight who they need to fight and the fighters will always fight the best, which is what we want and the frustration that we see in boxing sometimes. But at the same time, you do look at it from another angle and say, well, you know, come on, let the guys have the sponsors. They don't get paid that much, you know, let, let them have this little bit of freedom at least. And Francis Ngannou's got that. He can have his own sponsors. He can go and box whenever he wants. He, like you say, he's getting paid seven figures a fight. His opponents are getting paid big money as well. I'd want to be paid probably a lot more than two million to fight Francis Ngannou, but that's just me. Um, you take but, it. You take it. Don't say you won't take it. If you got off it now, just step in the in, in the have ring. You seen, have you seen when it. Ngannou knocked out Alistair Overeem? Um, I don't, I don't any... care, mate. I've seen I've seen him when he came on Jackass mm. and um, smashed Danger Erin in the balls, mate. I'll take mm. it for two million quid. I'd take that for two million, but watch the Overeem fight and you might change your mind. But yeah, yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. I'll never be able to spend it, but at least I'll <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll have some uh, family and friends that will uh, be looked well, after. Well, that's it. They'll benefit from it at least while you're sucking through a straw for the rest of your life. But that's yeah, it, no, it, I won't mind it, sucking it, on something else. But carry on. Well, you know, that comes later. But yeah, I mean, again, with, with Francis, I think it's a very good deal for him. I think he gets exactly what he wants and I'm really, really pleased for him that he has. I don't think it's the best deal for the PFL. I think you look at pay-per-view now, you, you do see that pay-per-view numbers in general are declining as a whole. There's a lot of streaming services out there, a lot of people that subscribe to DAZN and stuff like that. And I think pay-per-view is starting to become a little bit outdated now. And I think yeah. the, the idea is, is that they'll get Francis in on a big contract, they'll attract loads of eyes to PFL and they'll make the money back on, on pay-per-view. I think he's got he's to have someone on the other side of the ring with him that's, that's going to match that. You know, if it turns into 
I think the first fight will be a novelty and we'll have eyes on it. But if it turns into a three-fight deal or you know potentially gets extended and it turns into Ungarnu against nobodies or people that you know aren't on his level before it even starts, it, I think that will uh, will drop off very quickly, personally. Yeah, and I think that's the problem. I think that is going to be the big issue. Like you say, you know, you, you, it's all well and good having a draw like Ngannou and a beast and a predator, as his nickname is, but you need some, you need that compelling story. You need somebody across the cage from him that you think is potentially got the, 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 the ability to beat him. And in the PFL at the minute, in the heavyweight rankings, I like to think of myself as a pretty keen MMA fan. I can't think of anybody. Um, I know the PFL are talking about potentially buying Bellator, which would be a really, really big move. There are some decent heavyweights in Bellator, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how they, they manage Francis's career. Apparently his first fight is going to be in the middle of 2024. So we have got quite a long time to wait, but the, the you know, as Dana White says, uh, and he's very, uh, very, very relevant to this conversation, we'll just have to see how this thing plays out. Dawson. Yeah, absolutely. Well, mate, and, uh, I've got two bits of potentially breaking news. One, Sam, uh, Sam, sorry, Adam, you might know already, but I want to know your thoughts because we are live and we are recording. But first of all, Kemp, I'm just going to come to you for a very quick comment. With 10 minutes left, Sheffield Wednesday 3, Peter Brunil. What are your thoughts there? I, I am currently watching it. I'm not going to lie to you. I am currently okay. watching it. Are the wheels um, being slowly screwed back on? <laughs> like the slowest pit, pit stop in Formula One ever. Um yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's 10 minutes left. They need to score a goal to take it to extra time. Two goals will win it. Anything's possible. Um, I fucking hope not, but we'll see. Yeah. And uh, Adam, I'm going to come to you for this one for a bit of news that's come out in the last couple of hours. And I feel like if you'd seen it, you would have mentioned it because you normally do. But huge, huge, huge reports circulating at the moment of uh, we talked about earlier about Chesterfield and we spoke about needing that out and out goal scorer they are being massively linked and it's looking very good that they could be bringing in Will Grigg over the summer what are your thoughts on that if, uh, you know a little bit past his prime and the the iconic Will Grigg's on fire chance but at that level surely someone that could do a massive job for you boys up top yeah and I think that's what we Sam spoke about about a week ago, wasn't it? About us playing on our contacts, and of course, Paul Cook managed him at Wigan. So it's realistic that we could be looking towards him. And if there's an opportunity there for us to sign him, and um, Andy Dallas is on his way out, then yeah, absolutely, I wouldn't mind having Will Grigg, even in the national, even at his age in the national league. I, I think he's still going to do a job. Players like that, mate, still know where the net is, and that is the exact type of player that I, I think we need to uh, get over the line that was just for you that. but yeah I just wanted to get your instant thoughts on that because I, I was seeing quite a few tweets and then I was looking into it and some reputable sources uh, talking about it but Sam I'm going to come to you for this one we, we spoke in depth about the darts last week because we were live but tonight as we are recording it is night 16 of the Premier League of Darts which means it is the final night of the regular uh, season if you will with next week being finals night Talk us through what's happening at the time of recording and, and who looks likely to be coming out on top for the uh, for the last normal week of the Premier League of Darts. Yeah, we'll skip straight to the semi-finals, which uh, Gerwin Price has just beat Aspinall 6-3 and we're currently waiting on uh, Van der Berg, Van Gerwin. Van der Berg with a surprise victory in the quarter-final against my boy Michael Smith. So, uh, early, early surprise there in the, in the darts. Um I have just seen, though, that apparently Van Gerwen's carrying a little bit of an injury. I've just okay. seen a highlight on the, the PDC 
Facebook page and every every dart is throwing um, in the Chris Doby game. He's, he's, he's shrugging his shoulder. He, he looks. He doesn't look. Doesn't look right at all. Were, his power centre have gone. He was were, were trying to finish on a on a twenty. I think it was. He'd gone as low down as that, and it, it was just uh, missing a lot of darts. So don't be surprised if uh, Van der Berg comes out with a win here. They're just about to just about to start. So a little little tip there, if um, Van der Berg may pull off a surprise here against uh, against Van Gerwen, and if that does happen, I, I would fully expect Price to to dismantle him in the final. You, you would think so, and you know, as we know, after following attending the night fifteen in Sheffield, Gerwin Price, Michael Van Gerwen, and Michael Smith all uh, securing their places in the semi-finals of finals night to be crowned the Premier League champion. The last spot was between Johnny Clayton and Nathan Aspinall, and. You know, conveniently enough, they were facing each other in today's quarterfinals, and, and Aspinall come out comfortably, six-one winner. So I think that should mean Aspinall goes into the semi-finals, which would, as the table stands, leave us with Price versus um, Price versus Aspinall and Smith versus Van Gerwen as our semi-finals. Pretty, uh, pretty tasty semi-final lineup. I, th- I think you'll agree. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a surprise that one. The the Aspinall uh, beat him six-one actually, so it was. Pretty comprehensive. So, yeah, Clayton was the uh, was the one I think we all unanimously crowned him to get the fourth spot. I think in a, a couple of weeks uh, weeks prior to that, he were playing well. Got to a semi final, was it against um, Gerwin Price last week? I think it was. It was. And uh, yeah, he's come out today and not not shown up at all. So Aspinall doors, uh, yeah, as you say, I think it's doors wide open for him to. Well, it, it's probably said and done now, and Aspinall probably gets the fourth. He does, and and Aggie, you said earlier that Clayton doesn't fancy it. Did you watch it, or did you just see the score? I watched it, mate, and he had a couple of chances, especially towards the end. I think the game was pretty much done and dusted by that point, where he could easily get a couple of legs back, but he just seemed to miss the simple doubles, and it opened the door for Aspinall. It just looked like one of those times where you know when you don't want to be off the off the boil a little bit, and it just seemed to happen at the worst time for him. And if Aspinall has Aspinall gone through is, is that the case because yeah he'll go through it was pretty much winner goes through I think no because the table afterwards was Aspinall needed to win in the semi-final he was they were level on points but there were more matches won by Clayton so Clayton still qualified oh Clayton, Clayton will go through then because Price beat Aspinall Sam mentioned there so so yeah I think it's uh, Clayton that gets through so he's got a little bit lucky there and I think that pretty much gives it a little bit better for Gerwin Price in the semi-final yeah absolutely so I hate to come back to you, Aggie, but you are the man that is the only one whose selection. Oh no, sorry, Sandin as well. But he did. Uh, he has been backing Michael Smith heavy and hard these last few weeks. But very quickly round the room because when we record next week's episode, it will be halfway through finals night. So we'll get our predictions in now. Well, there's no sort of bias or no no action happening. Um, Price versus Clayton, Smith versus Van Gerwen, semi-finals, and then the winners of those go go to the final and is crowned the Premier League champion. Me and Ken are still in with our picks, but we'll, we'll, we'll ask ourselves anyway. But Aggie, starting with you, who now is your final pick to be crowned Premier League champion this year? I am going to back Gerwin Price. I think Gerwin Price. throughout the entire tournament, he's done exactly what Kemp said he was going to do, and that is just tethered the league apart. And he has proven on many of occasions that he is the most informed man in darts. Michael Smith <laughs> starting to, to find a little bit of form himself probably at the right time. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a Smith against Price final and I think we're in for an absolute treat when that happens. That's saying, Kent, off the back of that going Price pick, surely you're not changing now. 
No, 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 I'm not changing. I'm going with Gerwin Price to win the Premier League. Um, I think it will be a Gerwin Price-Michael Smith final also, just with Sam mentioning there a little bit about Van Gerwen as well. Didn't really look himself last week either. From mm. from what I saw when we went to come watch it, you know, Van Gerwen's he's a robot, he's a machine. We've all said that. Um, didn't really look his old self last week when we uh, when we went to see them. So hopefully for, for his sake that will change. But yeah, in my opinion, Gerwin Price has been sort of head and shoulders really above um, the rest in terms of the entire season. I know Michael Smith is sort of starting to come on a little bit. Um, but I think Gerwin Price will, will comfortably get through to the finals. Gerwin Price against Johnny Clayton first. And then, yeah. and then Michael Smith versus um, Michael Van Gerwen um, to repeat the uh, the World Championship final last year. So Michael Smith to beat Van Gerwen, Gerwin Price to beat um, Johnny Clayton, and then Gerwin Price to beat Michael Smith to be the Premier League champion. Very interesting. I feel like it's a little bit of a deja vu and, and following trends of, of loaded sport history and our, our six months of going, but I am moving my chair at the death based on information that's now available to me. I went Michael Van Gerwen, but... Yeah, I completely agree with what you lads have said there. He doesn't quite seem to have been himself over the last four or five weeks, maybe. Sam, you mentioned there maybe a little bit of an eagle and injury that, that could obviously hamper how far he goes next week. So Price, I think, has just been ever consistent. Like, I can't think of a week where he's gone out in the first round. Like, I feel like he, he obviously won't have done, but I just feel like he's been in the semi-finals at least every single week. But I am going to go with Michael Smith. He was fantastic last week. He saw off Gerwin Price relatively comfortably in that final. He has gone out early tonight, but he's not going to win every week. He's just come off the back of three wins, um, three week winning weeks in a row. So yeah, I, I'm going to move my chair. I'm going to scrape it across the floor yet again. Going to I'm going to start falling off it soon because it's wearing away. But uh, yeah, I'm going to sit in the camp of uh, Michael Smith, and that brings me on to uh, the last of us to uh, pick again. You went for Chris Dobie at the start of the tournament, the wild card pick if there ever was one. The hottest of hot starts when he won night one, but uh, obviously ultimately fell away. Uh, but what a tournament he's had and, and what an experience I'm sure it's been for him. But uh, what uh, what camp are you putting your chair in for, for finals night? I don't know about you, but that week one Dobie win, that seems about five minutes ago, doesn't it? It's yeah. blinked and the entire the entire season has just gone by. What do you think? It's all... it was 16, 16 weeks ago, that's what? That's yeah. pretty much four, nearly four months ago. Mental. Uh, yeah, Chris Dobie obviously was the boy. I've all, I'm gonna. I think I'll always have a soft spot for him after that first night. So, but I have I obviously. I think, I, I think if anything, you had a soft spot for him coming out to PJ and Duncan, didn't you? But oh, I think that's, mate, uh, that's our old, our old, yeah, our old. Uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, it looks like loaded spot a split on this one because I'm also going to go Michael Smith. So it's fifty fifty for for the uh, the two boys. So yeah, I'm going to go with Michael Smith. I think will. We'll uh, see out the the Premier League, and I mean, like you say, that uh, that I'm just looking now at that uh, potential Van Gerwen semi final. Well, will be a Van Gerwen semi final. Um, tasty game depends on how much the sh- the, the shoulder injury really will affect him. But I, I'd even dare say, at full fitness, I think uh, Michael Smith, when he's on his game, he can beat anybody. And he, like he um, looks like he's found found his form at the right time. I know tonight's a disappointing night against Van der Berg, but what is it? Uh, three out of the last four Premier League at nights, he, he's won. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take that form going into the final any day. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm also back in Michael Smith there. 
Well, there we go. Like I said, we're fully split. It is Manchester City, Arsenal all over again. So I can't wait for next week when we're mid-recording and the session's on and I uh, I move the chair just one last time this season. But yeah, fully split. Prize Smith. So no doubt we're in for uh, an MVG Clayton final, but we'll see what happens uh, what happens next week. Just to very quickly say on the chair moving and all that sort of stuff, we've gone from Manchester United to Chesterfield. We've gone from City to Arsenal. And now we've changed our darts prediction as well. What I would recommend, Dawson, if you've not already, is just get a chair on wheels. Yeah. Make it a lot easier. <laughs> I felt like if I got one that was just, you know, the classic wooden chair, it was more dramatic. Like if you yeah, can hear that, the noise, it's, it's the impact of the move into it. Yeah. <laughs> just just to annoy everyone else really if anything but that is the darts and again finals week will be next week I really enjoyed talking about the Premier League of darts and, and I will miss having that as a sort of little weekly five minute palate cleanser towards the show because I, I, I think it's fitting nicely but uh, you know as we go into the summer there'll be the major tournaments will start picking up where you know we've we've got a full tournament in between episodes where we're doing full previews and stuff so really looking forward to getting stuck into that side of, of things First like we ever. did with the World First ever Premier League uh, darts for me as well. But getting into it top of the top of the year, uh, I absolutely loved it. Didn't know a thing about it going in, but uh, yeah, I've uh, proper enjoyed talking to you boys over these last couple of weeks. Because I'm glad, mate. And obviously, you uh, you came in right at the World Championship final. So the next major tournament that we sit and preview and then review in the next episode will will be your first chance to get proper stuck into the classic, you know, darts format. So uh, I'm looking forward to that and, and seeing who you pick based on form going into that tournament. But um, we'll close off this week, lads, with uh, with a, a quick chat. And I suppose I'll be coming more to, to Kemp to this one. But if Aggie and Sam, if you do have any thoughts or predictions at any point, please shout up and, and get involved. Um, but it is the, the second golf major of the year, the PGA Championship, that is that has started um, during, or has started today. Um, halfway through round one, uh, a surprising leader in uh, Bryson DeChambeau. He, he finished four under in the first round and uh, he's got Corey Connors and uh, Scotty Scheffler just behind him on three under. So they're two names that you would expect to be in and around it come tournament end. But Bryson DeChambeau with the, the form and the injuries that he's had over the last couple of years certainly uh, seems to be back on track, but three rounds to go and a long way to go. But Kemp, are there um, are there any particular names that people should be looking out for that you're looking out for or you think stand out as the, as the favourites for this tournament? Well, first of all, the way that you're pronouncing Deshambo is just fucking outstanding. So I think that's the <laughs> is only it up there, one. Is it up there with the stand before? That is the only one that we need to look at. So if anybody <laughs> wants to pick a golf, uh, a player to pick the, uh, to, the to win the PGA Championship at Wells Fargo this weekend, it is Bryson Deschambeau. But uh, now, um, Bryson, not only has he got an unbelievable name that you've been pronouncing unbelievably, but his drive is just to die. Drives the one into the man. Tell you what, drive the ball. Just very quickly, if 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 I may, if I if I may, just just quickly off subject, but it is golf. So you're going on you're going on golf holiday. You're checking at the airport. And you know, like how you have loot on your in your Fortnite, your COD games, and things like that. Yeah, in your bag, yeah. you can pick yeah. one player's part of the game. So someone's driving, someone's iron work, or someone's putting. Who's who? What are you taking? Present day player or previous? Pre- pre- present day player. Present day. Okay, probably Bryson DeChambeau's drive. drive. And the reason that I say that is because, and there's unbelievable players. Rory McIlroy's got an unbelievable drive on him as well, but. 
the sound that ball makes when it comes off that man's club face is just deafening. It's unbelievable. I, I really, really do want to go and see a, a, a live golf event, hopefully, probably next year now, um, to, to watch Bryson DeChambeau do his thing, whether he'll be doing that in the UK or not with the live golf situation. Unless it's live golf, I don't know, but I, I don't know. So, but yeah, I think it would be Bryson DeChambeau, purely down to the fact that when you hit a good drive off the tee box, there's nothing better in this world. It's it's the best feeling ever. You see it sailing off into the distance and you think, oh, today's going to be a good day. But yeah, I, I think the, the the usual, back to your, your question there, Dawson, the usual suspects are going to come up. Scotty Schaeffler, Xander Schauffler, um John Rahm, um, all, all strong contenders coming into this tournament. I think John Rahm's going to take this one personally. Um, he hasn't set the world on fire so far this year, but but John Rahm, as as they always say, class is permanent, and and, and he's one of the classiest golf golf players on on the tour. So, I think John Rahm will take this one, but it's going to be a fantastic weekend of golf. After we've recorded this evening, I am going to get the coverage up. I think for a, for a, a little bit of time, half an hour or so, uh, and settle into the uh, to the like you say the second major. Um, golf tournament of the year. So for me, PGA Championship, I'm going to take John Rahm. Dawson, have you looked at it yourself? Have you thought anybody sort of catch your eye on the build-up to this one? Well, I normally do have a good look at the golf in the majors and I'll have a little bit of a bet and I'll run a sweepstake, but this last couple of weeks has just been so busy, I've not got round to, to planning it. So this is actually the first major tournament in maybe about two years that I've not run some kind of sweepstake for it. Um, but again, you know, I'm going to have to go with Scheffler, I think. Um, you, you mentioned Ram there. You know, what a start to the year. If he can win the Masters and then the PGA Championship, I mean, that's unbelievable. But uh, I think Scott Scheffler starting at 300, he's putting himself in a brilliant position. And the form that he was in last year, he's clearly not lost that too much. So I'll, I'll stick my name to uh, to him as a prediction. Having, for, for probably the first time in many, many, many years, not really had a, a good look at you know what's happening, where the form is and everything else like that. So... Yeah, it's a safe one. It's definitely a safe one. You've got John Rahm at seven to one, Scotty Scheffler at seven to one, uh, two favourites, and then you work your way down to Rory McIlroy eleven, Patrick Cantlay to eighteen, Brooks Kepka to eighteen, Justin Thomas twenty, Dustin Johnson twenty, Jason Day twenty, and then I say Xander Schauffler uh, twenty-two to one, and Colin Marikawa twenty-two to one. Also, so yeah, he does look like John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler are the two favourites, and and of course we've we've picked the two favourites because. Of course we are. We're gonna we're gonna hedge our bets on the safe ones, um, and I'm sure halfway through the tournament, your chair will be moving in in John Rahm. Oh Barrett. mate, I'll I'll uh, I'll be pinging you a message Saturday morning, mate, when the cut's been made, and I'll be uh, I'll be swinging my chair somewhere else. But uh, I'll I'll let you know where that goes. Well, I'll be swinging the golf club on Saturday morning, so I'll pick up with you after I finish. That's fair, mate. So that ties us off nicely to uh, to close the show with the sport and and finish it with the with the weekend chat. So Kemp, I suppose you do like a bit of golf, but what you got going on this weekend? Just one thing: yeah. breaking news before we jump into the goodbyes. Oh my God! Van Gerwen drops out of the semi final due to injury. Vanderberg is in the final against Price, confirmed by final's default. Just, yeah, yeah. Finals just about to start now. I've been keeping my eye on it. It's supposed to. Have say kicked off at quarter to 10 and I'm like looking now and they've still not started and now it's just defaulted to Vandenberg um, prize final so yeah Van Gerwen's pulled out wow a big G never out of me there mate mm. he did absolutely did so yeah Gerwin prize to win hopefully because I don't want to see any pictures of him celebrating dancing or lifting any trophies or anything else so come on Gerwin let's have you so yeah Kem talk to us about hey, you yeah. Kem mate 
Yeah, so weekend plans. Um, as I say, playing golf on Sunday, Saturday morning. Uh, Saturday afternoon, probably going to be watching a bit of football. Um, Sunday, what am I doing Sunday? I think I think it's just going to be a productive one. Cutting the grass, bits around the house, and then settling on Sunday afternoon to watch Manchester City win the Premier League title. So that's that's how I stand. Dawson, what about you? Um, I've got a pretty steady one this weekend. Uh, we, we've we've com- we've promised each other that we're going to do absolutely nothing. Uh, me and DG. It's what I'm hoping for one of those weekends where it's do a bit of shopping Saturday morning, get the resources in, get the supplies in, and then watch some shit telly in a couple of films and and hardly move. But Sunday night, lads. I am actually going to Sam. I think you're aware of this. I'm sure at the time DG mentioned it to me that she'd spoke to you about it. But I'm uh, I'm going to Nottingham Sunday night. You know what's coming for an yeah. evening with Alan Shearer. I'm it's, so uh, glad. I'm so glad you're mentioning this because she she messaged me ages ago saying I've I've got him this for his birthday. Obviously, with the whole last year's birthday palaver, she wanted to hedge a bet. So to think. so, do you think he'll like it? I went honestly. He's going to absolutely love that. You know. But, uh, Face to face with a an England legend, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to take over the bit for you, but no, no, yeah, it's she, fine. She mate. messaged me ages ago, and you, you've just not mes- mentioned it at all. And I thought, did she go through with it? And I've never wanted to ask you about it because if, if she did, and yeah, she, if she did, yeah, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, but no, that's uh, that's Sunday evening in Nottingham. Um, but she's uh, she's done the uh, the ITR. Uh, upgrade camp, so uh, I, I believe it's a, a picture before, and I might. You know what I'm like, lads. I've got a bit of balls about me, and it's uh, you only get one chance. So I might stick the TikTok in his face and try and get him to do Dream Team. Football, but I've got honestly, I've had it on my mind all week. I've, I've literally any any quiet time, like in shower or laid in bed, I'm like, I'm thinking, right? Do I am I going to go up on a stage or say hello? Do I just say, look, sixty seconds? Can you just do this filter? And if I can do it, I know I'll be a hero. But we'll we'll oh, see. But that's. It is bold, mate, but you know, you know. Maybe, got maybe bold. just a little. Maybe just a little. Can we just do a quick? Hi, this is Alan Shearer, and you're listening to Loader Sport. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think he'd be more likely to want to do the filter than that. To be yeah, fair, I think so, maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I might have to further, pay him. If further, bre- further breaking news. Can I just say? Go. In the 90th, oh my god, I've just seen it. In the no 98th way. minute, Sheffield Sheffield Wednesday have, uh, have just scored. It's four four. No way. Oh my god! <laughs> I just turned oh, it off and all to put darts. Fair play, Ninety-eighth minute, Alfreton Town legend Aidan Flint with the assist. Wow. Whoa! Wow. The That's wheels cool, have been secured back on. Aggie, take those t- uh, take those crosses off of those predictions. Wow! What yeah, a what isn't a, it? Yes, it's <laughs> you know, it is. You, you know. Paul's getting absolutely wankered tonight. Well, well, oh, to be fair, he already will be. He already will be. Any day that ends in Y with Paul, to be fair, <laughs> spa landlord. But yeah, he's, he's going to be having a good night tonight. Wow. But um, last but not least, Aggie, it's uh, you mentioned it was the the last radio show of uh, yeah. Sorry, Sam, I did forget you, mate. I do apologise. But Aggie, you mentioned it's the it's the last weekend of radio work before the summer break, and you've been working throughout the week to get the work in, so you can take it pretty steady. Have you got that done? And if you have, what's the plans for for your weekend, mate? Yeah, I've got it all sorted. So I think Saturday's just going to be a case of chill, watch a bit of football, watch scores come in on uh, Soccer Saturday, or six of them that's going to be still playing. And then... Watch oh, the it's not the same, is it, well. when there's like no games on? It's like international yeah. break. It's just dire. It is. It's not the greatest. But yeah, and of course, no Formula One to enjoy either. So it's just going to be a nice chilled one. A little bit of sport here and there. But other than that, just having a nice relax. And hopefully the weather's nice and I'll be able to take the kids out to the park or something. 
I like it, mate. That sounds very good to me. And to give you a little bit of a weather update, it's looking pretty dry with temperatures pushing 20 degrees, mate. So uh, that sounds absolutely perfect for a little bit of fresh air and a little bit of a walkabout, mate. So I hope you enjoy it. And uh, Sam, I hope you've got something exciting, mate, to talk to us about, <laughs> or at least something we know you're going to enjoy. What have you got planned for the weekend? Well, I've heard a little rumour that apparently Paul's got a band on at Star on Saturday. I can't seem to stay away at minute. Look at him. He's like, I'm waiting for what time's it on? I can't. <laughs> no, no, we've agreed we're having we've agreed we're having a weekend off at this weekend. I think so. it's uh, yeah, I think you do right to be honest. I said that to Katie. I said I think it's a weekend off and then I seen weather and it was like 17, 18 degrees. I'm like, hmm. Okay. <laughs> you say this, Sam. You say this, but you know where I'll be on Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, I'm at that dartboard. You were absolutely blind, though, by the way. Oh, no idea why. Blind, though, no idea why. No idea why. Not, I've not absolutely seen that from no you for idea. a while. No, well, yeah, Aggie, Aggie, you'll have missed it because you were obviously at Wembley, but Kemp had no. about three pints in 10 hours and he were absolutely <laughs> fucking <laughs> left. That's a bit of an exaggeration. <laughs> but if I feel like it went far off. I had five pints and a pull measure of rum and coke. But yeah, I mean, and, usually and a pull measure is a strong. It's more rum than coke, isn't it? If it's it a is, but it is. But usually, that's you know, I'm not. I'm nowhere near. And Sam will attest to that. I'm not. I don't pretend to no. be a big drinker, but usually, I'm nowhere near that. And for some reason, whether it was the empty stomach, I had. I had food just before we started, but whether it was that or, or anything else, I don't know. But I was pretty badly. So uh, I say I won't be going to the start now, and I say I'll be having a weekend off, but. Sam, I'm sure we'll probably see you there, mate. We'll <laughs> if you get that text message Saturday, weather's nice, I fucking know damn well. <laughs> I don't even need it. I don't even know me there anyway, I reckon. That's fair. That's fair. Well, uh, you lads drop us a picture when you're having a pint together Saturday night. Aggie, you enjoy the weather. And hopefully, lads, Monday morning, our TikTok will be blown up because I've got Alan Shearer <laughs> to build the dream team uh, with no skips, but we'll see. But uh, lads, 49 episodes are now in the bag. The next week wow. will be the half century. I'll bring my helmet in the back just to give a little uh, nod to the listeners and the crowd. But uh, we're we're about six months in now and, and almost 50 episodes. I'm enjoying it. We're, we're growing across social media and our YouTube viewers are, I think, changing to video was a uh, mm. an inspired decision from you, Sam. You were the one that brought it up. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's it's made a big difference to to our enjoyment and, and the content and the conversations we're having. But, uh, yeah, another good one for me in the books. Have a great weekend, lads. And a bit, boys. See you later. Have a good one, boys. Good night. Good night.